May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. Glad that you're here today and uh, welcome to Parkway Fellowship. So let's get right to it, shall we? Now, if you've been here before, you know what we're going to do. If you are new here today, just play along. It'll be fun, okay? Uh, Reading the story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho from a kid's Bible, it says this. God's people wanted to live in Jericho, but there was a big wall around the city. How could they get in? God told Joshua, march and blow the trumpets loudly, okay? Everybody pretend like you're blowing a trumpet, okay? Oh, if you actually blew it, that's great. Oh, that was nice. It's impressive. Okay. Then the big walls of the city fell down and the people had a place to live. So slap your legs like like the walls are falling down. Ready? Very good. Okay. God can do anything. The end. Now I'm telling you, you're going to miss this next week, right? You know, and in this series, More Than a Story, we've been looking at some of the most famous stories in the entire Bible, but Unfortunately, we tend to think of these as just like kid stories, you know, like stories out of a kid's Bible with no real meaning for adults. But I'm telling you, as we've seen in this series, nothing could be farther from the truth. And the walls of Jericho is no exception. It's not just a story, okay? It's more than a story, okay? It is a real story about a real guy named Joshua who faced a real dilemma, who saw a real God come through in a real way. And the reason this story is so incredibly famous is because Joshua and the people dared to believe that God could do the impossible. You know, the truth is, it actually reminds me of the beginning of Parkway Fellowship. Now, if you've been to our membership class, like you know the backstory of how this church got started out. If you haven't been to the class, I would really encourage you to go so you can hear it. But I don't have time to tell that whole story now. But suffice it to say that God's vision for this church has always been that this church would minister effectively to 10% of the community every single week. Now, that sounds like an impossible task. But 12 years ago, there were 30 adults who believed that God could do the impossible. And it was those 30 adults that helped start Parkway Fellowship. And now today, we have more than 2,500 people on any Sunday meeting on two different campuses. I mean, it's incredible what God is doing here, and we've watched God do the impossible, and we will continue to watch God do even greater things than that. If we will learn the stories of today, and if we will learn the lessons in the story today, then we will have the faith to believe that God can make the impossible possible. We won't fear when we face obstacles, okay? We will remain strong in the face of adversity. We'll see God, well, we'll see God tear down some pretty huge walls in our lives. But that'll only happen if we take to heart the grown-up lessons that God has for us today. So let's get straight to the story of the walls of Jericho. And let me give you a little bit of background, just in case you're not familiar with the story. 
At this stage of the game, the Israelites have already been rescued out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt by Moses. Moses has already led them across the Dead Sea. Uh, The Dead Sea has already collapsed and wiped out the pursuing Egyptian army. You know, maybe you're familiar with some of that if you have maybe seen the recent movie that was made, you know, where Moses was played by Batman. Maybe you saw that. But when we get to this stage in the game, Moses has died, and his young protege, Joshua, has taken over as leader of the nation of Israel, and he has brought them to the border of the promised land. Now, they discovered that at the, at the gateway to the promised land, that gateway city is the city of Jericho. Now, to help us understand what they were up against, our stage team has created yet another incredible, incredible pop-up book. Let's see if I can do this without. That illustrates the walls of Jericho and what they were facing. And by the way, has our stage team not done an incredible job during this entire series with this thing? I mean, let's give them a hand, because they're unbelievable. I mean, they really are. And let me tell you this. The reason that our stage team works as hard as they do for, to build these types of props is because, first off, they love God. They love God. And they love you. And they care so much about making sure that God's message gets conveyed in a memorable and convincing way that helps people understand God and how he works and the, and the stories of the Bible so much clearer. So I, I'm so proud of them and what they've done with this, with this particularly with this series of props. So um, getting back, the wall around Jericho, get this, was 46 feet high and more than six feet thick. Okay, and remember, the Israelites are not an army, okay? They have no, no sophisticated weapons. They have no extensive training, okay? These are children of slaves. They're children of slaves. There is no way humanly possible that they're going to be able to conquer Jericho. So it's a good thing that this story isn't about what's humanly possible. This story is about what is God possible. And that's what makes it more than a story. So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. Let's start by asking this question, okay? What are the lessons in the story of the walls of Jericho that God wants to use to change my life? Well, here is grown-up lesson number one. This is your first fill-in. Look at God, not the obstacle. Look at God, not the obstacle. Now, the walls of Jericho, the truth is, they were impregnable, okay? And in reality, it really wasn't one wall. It was actually three walls with a total height of 46 feet. Now, through what archaeology has found, we have a better understanding of what the walls of Jericho actually look like. So here's an artist's rendering. Let's go ahead and put up this first picture, please. Um, looking, standing on the bottom, the first wall was actually a retaining wall between like 12 and 15 feet high. This meant that you couldn't dig under the wall because all you would come to would be like more 
earth. Then on top of that was a wall that was about 20 feet high. And then there was a slope of land, and then on top of that was another wall that was about 20 feet high. Now, if you're standing on the, on the ground at the very, very bottom, you know, there was a little bit of overlap between these walls, but looking up from bottom to top, it would have been about 46 feet high. But it gets worse. Because, see that slope in between the walls? Okay, let's go ahead and pull up picture number two. On that slope in between the walls, they would have built houses. Um, or, you know, and the back of those houses, some of them would have been into that exterior wall. And the reason this is so deadly is because if for some reason that the first wall was breached, the army inside would have retreated to the top of the second wall, but that piece of land was so narrow and, and filled with houses that it created choke points so that you couldn't get a lot of soldiers in there to breach the upper wall. And so then those, it became a killing ground where archers could easily pick off the enemy. I'm telling you, it was a genius defense if you're not fighting God. So let's look at the story in the Bible. In Joshua chapter 6, let's look at the first two verses. It says this, Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. So God was saying to Joshua, he's like, hey Joshua, just look at it. Can't you see it? Like, I've delivered that city into your hands. And I'm sure Joshua's like, oh, well good. Because I'll be honest with you, look how looking at it, I was thinking it was probably the other way around. So I guess that the reason that the walls are 46 feet high, I guess that's just to prevent the army from like escaping from the inside, right? Look, here's the thing. I'm sure that Joshua, just looking at it, got discouraged. And I think a lot of times for us, when we come against big obstacles in life, like we can get discouraged too. And whenever you face a really big obstacle in your life, sometimes that obstacle is so big, it's all you can see. Like it, 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 it fills your entire field of vision. And that, that's all you can see. You can't see anything else. And <clears throat> that it, it could be anything. It could be a crisis in your marriage. It could be something with the kids. It could be something in your career. It could be a pain that you're going through. It could be something in your past. It could be, whatever it is, it's all you can see. And it dominates your thinking, and it dominates your conversations, and it causes you stress, it causes you to lose sleep, it causes a lot of anxiety, it causes a lot of worry. I mean, it's all that there is. And when you look at that obstacle, it's all you can see. And you know what the worst part about it is? Is that when you're going through that, you can't see God. It so fills your, your field of vision that you cannot see God. Anybody ever been there before? Yeah. I think everybody's been there at some point in time. But 
if you will somehow be able to take a step back and see your obstacle against the backdrop of who God is. If you can step back and get, and stop focusing on that, instead start focusing on who God is, then you begin to see things in their proper, proper perspective. What I mean by that is that you look at God and you see God's power. You see the extent of his majesty. You see that there, his power knows no bounds, that the extent of his hand and the power of his reach knows no limits. And maybe you think back to some things in your past that God's done in your life. Maybe you think about what God is, some stories of what God has done in the Bible. Maybe you think about the walls of Jericho and what God did here. But the point is, is that you get a really good picture of who God is, and then when you do that, and you look at your obstacle against the backdrop of who God is, then not only do you see God more clearly, but you see your obstacle more clearly. You see your obstacle as something that, yeah, it's too big for me to overcome, but it's definitely not too big for God to overcome. In fact, God could do it and not even break a sweat. So the point for us is that we need to look at God and not the obstacles. And in those moments when we finally look at God, your faith strengthens and your doubt weakens. Now look, I'm not saying that you know, like everything is fixed like in a moment, but what I am saying is that like Joshua and the people of Israel, you'll find a much easier time putting your faith in God in those moments. And, then, and you'll have an easier time seeing him. And then no matter how, how things work out, like you'll know it was God at work behind it all. Does that make sense? Grown up lesson number two. Here it is. Number two, follow God's instructions to the letter. You've got to follow God's instructions to the letter. Look how the story continues in chapter six. Now, I've done some selected verses here just to kind of condense the story a little bit. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, advance. March around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. But Joshua had commanded the people, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the people returned to camp and spent the night there. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got, up at, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for I have given you this city. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took the city. Wow. So Joshua did exactly as the Lord told him. And Joshua didn't change a thing. Now, I personally think it's pointed that 
Joshua had told the army not to give any kind of a shout, not to give any kind of battle cry, not to do anything until he told them to. I mean, I'm telling you, if, if it was me and there were soldiers on top of the wall and they were like taunting me, I promise you, I'd have been talking smack back. I mean, I would have. I mean, I'd have been ready to fight in that moment, right? But these guys, like, they didn't say a thing. They followed God's instructions to the letter. Because here's the thing. They believed that God was going to do something amazing. And by the way, they didn't know what God was going to do. There's no place in this story where God tells them in advance that he's going to tear down the wall whenever they shout. God just tells them, be quiet and march. That's it. Now, they knew God was going to do something. They just didn't know what. And when they followed God's instructions to the letter, that is when God brought down the walls of Jericho. That's when the walls finally fell. It was pretty amazing what God did that day. It had never been comprehended before. Pretty outstanding. But it all happened because they followed God's instructions down to the letter. So let me ask you this. Or let me tell you this. God is still looking for people who are willing to follow his instructions down to the letter. He's still looking for people that would do that. Would you become that kind of a person? Whenever God tells you to do something, whenever you find a command in the Bible, whenever you, God speaks to you maybe through a message on a Sunday morning or through something in a small group, and there's a next step that you know you need to take, and you follow, would you take it and then would you follow through with that next step and do what God tells you? Look, I'm not, look, I'm not telling you that you've got to be perfect in order for God to do uh, something amazing or a miracle in your life, okay? The Bible is filled with examples of God doing miracles in the lives of very, very imperfect people. But what I am saying is this, is that when you follow God's instructions down to the letter, you are showing God with your actions that you believe that his way is better than your way. You're showing him. That you truly believe that his way is better than your way. And when you fully put your faith in God by fully obeying him, then you fully open up an opportunity for God to do something amazing that you could not possibly have anticipated. Because see, at that point when you put your faith in God like that, there's no sin that God might have to pull back to deal with first. There's no lack of faith that God might have to pull back and deal with first. So you need to follow God's instructions to the letter because when you do, then you open up an opportunity for God to do something amazing. And remember, Joshua did not know what God was going to do. He didn't know. And you don't always know either. But when you follow God's instructions to the letter, you open up an opportunity for God to do whatever it is that he wants to do. All right. Grown-up lesson number three. Here it is. Number three. God wants to save me if I'm willing. 
God wants to save me if I'm willing. All right, now, let me give you a little bit more background here, okay? Before Joshua brought the whole nation of Israel to the, you know, border of the promised land, and by the way, that numbered more than a million people at this stage of the game. Before he did that, he had sent some spies into Jericho so that he could know what he was up against. Well, these two spies were protected by a lady named Rahab because the patrolling soldiers within the city knew that there were some spies there, and so Rahab hid the spies in her house. Now, the thing about Rahab is, is that she was the town prostitute. She was the town prostitute. But because she was willing to protect these two spies, they told her that if she would hang, on the day of the attack, if she would hang a scarlet cord in the window of her house, that when they attacked, they would destroy every other home except hers. So, Let's read what the spies say to Rahab. Now, to do that, we've got to kind of go back in the story to Joshua chapter 2, and then we'll come back forward um, and pick it up. So, before the walls collapse in chapter 2, before the, uh, Joshua's even showed up on the scene yet, the spies, and here's what they say to Rahab. In Joshua chapter 2, beginning of verse 18, it says, When we invade the country, you must tie this scarlet cord to the window from which you let us down and collect your father, mother, brothers, and entire family inside your house. If anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head, and we shall not be to blame. But the blood of all staying inside the house with you will be on our heads if a hand is laid on any of them. And then on the day of the attack, look what happens in chapter 6, verse 21. They completely destroyed with the sword every living thing in the city, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys, everything. Verse 25, Joshua saved Rahab the prostitute, her family, and all who were with her, because Rahab had helped the men he had sent to spy out Jericho. Rahab still lives among the Israelites today. Okay, now couple of really big things here I want us to look at. Okay, first off, God made a way so that Rahab was saved from the attack. Now remember, she was a prostitute, okay? But God allowed her to be saved because the truth is, she was the only one willing to believe. Her past did not matter. Her willingness to believe in and follow God did. And her willingness to follow God changed the course of her life. And we know that she did follow God from this point forward because she got married to a guy named Salmon. And Salmon is important because in Matthew chapter 1, we read that through the marriage between Rahab and Salmon, 31 generations later, Jesus Christ was born in that same family line. How amazing is that? See, God considered Rahab's willingness to believe and her desire to start a new life was so significant that he allowed his one and only son to be born into that family line. I mean, that's incredible. Now, the lesson is clear. God loves you no matter what your past. God loves you no matter what is in your past. 
Whatever's in your background, God is willing to forgive. But you have to be willing to be forgiven and change your life. You see, there's some people that think that what they've done in their past is so bad, that what they've done is so horrible, that there's no way that God could love them or forgive them. I'm telling you, nothing is farther from the truth. Nothing. See, if God was willing to forgive Rahab's prostitution and choose her family line so that, her, so that his son, Jesus Christ, could be born through them, then there is nothing that you could do that would hold back God's forgiveness and prevent him from doing something amazing and wonderful in your life too. So, the question is, are you willing? Now, the first step is to choose to become a Christ follower. See, you do that when you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you for everything that you've ever done, and you pledge your life to following him from that point forward. So have you ever done that before? If you never have, there's a sample prayer inside your worship notes. It's on, on the bottom of your worship notes, at the very bottom. If you've never prayed that prayer before, I want to give you a chance to do that today. But before I do, there's, there's one other really big thing that I want to make sure that we get covered, okay? Remember that scarlet cord that Rahab hung in the window, okay? That is a foreshadow of the blood of Christ that would save people in the future. See, God could have told Rahab to hang anything of any color in the window. But God wanted her to hang a scarlet cord because it was a foreshadow that it would be the blood of Christ that would provide the forgiveness for literally billions of people in the future. And, and that belief in the forgiveness of Christ is what has fueled Christ followers over the centuries to attempt the impossible. And it is that same belief that fueled 30 adults 12 years ago to start Parkway Fellowship because they believed that the love of God for the people in this community was so overwhelming that they had to do something. And so they were willing to leave their comfortable churches to start a place where God could attempt to do the impossible. And I'm telling you, God has been reaching people every week ever since through the folks here at Parkway Fellowship. Did you know, in fact, that just during this series, okay, just this series, that we have 178 people that we have confirmed have accepted Jesus Christ in their life for the very first time. 178 people for the first time. That's awesome. And even more than that, already 61 people have chosen to become baptized, to say, publicly say, you know what, I'm not ashamed or afraid to follow Christ, and I, I'm not ashamed to let people know about it. I mean, that's amazing as well. And I'm telling you, when you take these stories like the walls of Jericho seriously, that is when you just back up and watch God do some amazing things in people's lives, and you can watch him do some amazing things in your life, because it opens up the opportunity for God to do the impossible. And so now it's up to us. So I want to give you an opportunity to take some next steps, to put your faith into practice, to allow God to do some things that seem impossible and make those things 
possible in your life. So find your connection card, and let's all take some of those next steps together right now. Perhaps it's this first next step. When I face a challenge or difficulty, I will step back and focus on God, not the obstacle. Would you do that? That's a a huge thing to do. It's huge. Number two, knowing I don't have to be perfect, I will obey God down to the letter. Would you obey God down to the letter? He's looking for those kinds of people. Would you be that person? Number three, I'm willing to fully trust God even in the midst of tragedy because I know he can save me. Would you do that? Would you trust God even in the midst of dark days? And for many people, maybe it starts with number four. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Now, if you've ever prayed this prayer before, you don't need to pray it again. But if you never have and you've been thinking about it, You have to start there. Like Rahab, you have to take that first step of faith and then watch God do the rest. To take that step, there's that simple prayer. I'm going to give you a chance to pray it in just a moment. But before that, let's finish this up. Number five. This week, I'll read the story of the walls of Jericho in Joshua chapters two and six. If you've never read it, boy, you ought to read it. There's incredible stuff there. Number six. I'm sorry, that was number five. This is number six. I will email what God has done in my life during this series to my story at parkwayfellowship.com. Would you this afternoon, would you take just, just, a, just a little time, maybe two paragraphs about what God has done in your life during this series? You know, we've shared some people's testimonies during this series. That came from people emailing us their story. And you never know what God might want to, what God has done in your life, he might want to do something similar in someone else's life. But that'll only happen if your story gets told. Now, don't look, don't worry. We're not going to share anybody's story without your advanced permission. And so, like, it would never show up here. You would never, never get said or repeated from stage unless you said it was perfectly okay. So don't, don't worry about that. But we'll never know what your stories are if you don't tell. So would you be willing to share what God's done? Email it to, the, to that address and do it, do it today. Number seven, sign me up for the next membership class on May 17th. Hey, maybe you've been coming to this church for a while and you're thinking, man, this church is awesome. I love it. Well, they come join us. Take the membership class. It's a two-hour class. I teach it. It'll be right after church on a Sunday. We'll feed you. We'll feed your family. We'll take care of your kids. And if you, teenagers through adults, this class is for you. Take this class. I'm telling you, you'll learn so much more about the church, about why we do what we do, and how it's structured, how it's organized, how it goes. Take the class. It'd be awesome. I'm going to give you a chance to pray and ask God to help you follow through with the next steps you've taken. So right now, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes, take these next moments to pray silently. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for what you did in Jericho that day. Truly amazing. And I ask that you would help us to put our full faith in you 
at every turn, following your instructions down to the letter. Because God, we want to see you move and work and do the impossible. And that you would find us a people that fully believe and put our full faith and trust in you. And I ask that you would bring us back next week so that we can hear more. And ask you to do this in the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.